Hey everyone, Fabrice here. Welcome back to Blind Sanity. Today is the final part of our four episode mini series about Guide Dog. Our first part was about the application process and how to get an actual guide dog. The part two, the second part, was about human training, what happens once you receive a positive answer for your application, all the way to the moment when you uh, are getting the guide dog from your training uh, location all the way to your home. Part three last week was about um, dog training, uh, how they are trained from very early age um, and what they can do for you uh, for your everyday life is most uh, settings such as inside your home, outside, when you cross a road, at the park, uh, in a shopping center or at the mall, uh, in an airport or uh, in a train station. Today is the final part. We're going to talk about how to handle and take care of a dog um, either uh, with food or grooming or doctor visit or things like that, all the way up to the dog's retirement when the organization uh, will take uh, the older dog uh, away from you and will replace it with a brand new one. As uh, always, for those uh, episodes, we will have a special guest, Chad Bouton, who um, helped us going through each of those steps uh, so far. I'm sure that today is going to be a fun one. So go get a drink, uh, get yourself comfortable and uh, let's get going. I'll see you in a few seconds. We are back uh, with our guest, as I said earlier, Chad Bouton is back for one more hour. How are you doing today, Chad? I'm good. How are you, sir? Uh, doing all right. It is a complicated time. Huh? We, yeah. just, we just covered, we just went uh, from COVID for two years and now we have Russia uh, being all over the place. This is fun. Yeah, definitely. It's like when you think you're just starting to recover some of your mental and emotional strength that just gets sucked away again <laughs> something else. yes yeah i just i just want five minutes five minutes to breathe and then we can move to something else but no yeah. but the good thing is that it's cold uh, in california it's uh but it's not nuclear uh, nuclear uh, winter cold uh it is just <laughs> cold we may have to wait that for next week we'll see how it goes until then uh let's see what would happen unless um well unless um Russia is sending us a missile over our head. Uh, what happened when we uh, are bringing a, a guide dog home? So for those who missed those episodes in the past, again, uh, last week we talked about what a dog can do for you. Uh, we, we started with um, the moment that trained, very, very, very early age, all the way up to one and a half to two-year-old. And um, at that time, they'll meet you at a boot camp um, where you are going to be trained. Uh, to deal with them in different settings. We talk about the uh, different settings um, and what uh, a guide dog can do for you uh, at home, outside, in a park, at the mall or shopping center, at the airport or um, and uh, at the train station. Uh, today, we're going to talk about maintenance. Um, it's a little bit like a, a car. When you uh, you buy the car of your uh, uh, that you love, you have to take care of it to make it last longer. So we'll talk about maintenance for the dog, um, such as, you know, daily routine, feeding, grooming. Yeah. Um, we go to the, uh, the vet, um, uh, how much it costs, uh, if that costs anything. Uh, 
and they will go all the way to the end when uh, they get old and they get retired. There is no such a thing as a dog heaven. I heard they really are getting retired and sent to uh, someone else to take care of. There, there's no such a thing as <clears throat> sending them to dog farm or whatever. So for those who uh, are afraid of it, that's not what happened. But we'll talk about that. All right? Yes, we will. All right. Before we start, one quick question. Um, I did get uh, one person really, really uh, worried about um, a human uh, human. Um, a dog being being treated uh, treated uh, humanly when they're very young for training. Any uh, anything you can add to what you said last time? Um, so, is there concern about maybe starting their training when they're too young? Um, just to better understand the question. Well, what the what the feeling I had was it it it, it was a little bit of what I was worried about is that they when they grow up they look like they're so concentrated in what they're doing that they look like they've been brainwashed all their lives. <laughs> yeah so um i mean again i mean the thing that people need to understand is that for a dog that is a guide or a service animal um they actually enjoy doing this um it's not something that they were forced to do um if any time during the training we see in the dog that it's just not getting it like it's just not wanting to train it it doesn't want to learn hold on that's a vocal cat you got <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. but um but basically um if for some reason the dog doesn't want to become a guide or service dog, we don't force it. We would basically transition it out of the training program, see if maybe we can make it into some other sort of working animal. But if not, then we would literally just retire the dog out of the program and give it to a family that can care and love for it. So for the ones that make it, they're not being brainwashed. They, they've told us that this is what they want to do and they enjoy doing it. I mean, the amount of joy that my guide dog gets when I bring the harness and leash towards him is, you know, different. You know, he looks forward to working. He actually tries to leave with me when I try to just go get the mail. He's like, I'm, he's always like, can I help you in any way? He's just always trying to be there for me. So for the ones that want to do this, they really love doing it. But again, we, we're, not, we're not forcing them. We're not brainwashing them. We're just taking the ones that we believe want to be working dogs and making them into a service animal. But again, for those that don't want to be, we uh, we don't make them. All right. Well, that's a good answer. I uh, did close the door, so the cat is now outside <laughs> with the other one. And the third one, I don't know. I think it's a neighbor's one. But anyway. All right. So let's get back to that. Uh, you, uh, you finally met your dog. You spend two weeks, three weeks uh, trained, um, uh, training with him. You're bringing him home. Mm -hmm. First thing you do when you bring him home, what do you do? So the very important thing is if you have any other animals in the house, the first thing you want to do is to introduce the dog and your other pets on a neutral ground. So if you have like cats or dogs, you would most likely want to take them on leash outside in the front or maybe in the backyard if you have one um, because the worry is is if you just introduce the dog into the house without any sort of like greeting um, it could cause the other animals to become territorial 
Um, you know, so you, you want to kind of try and get that out of the way. So it's always a nice idea if you have other pets in the house to introduce them outside first so that they, that way they can understand, okay, this, this is the new member of the family and we, we're going to have to play nice with each other. So that's one thing you got to keep in mind. <laughs> All right. Well, considering how my cat is handling any uh, cat uh, coming inside the house, I guess I have to do that first. <laughs> yeah, it's just, a, you know, it's just, it's just good to let them know, like, hey, we're on equal grounds. You know, this, this, this is, you know, this is just the new night dynamic that we got to get used to. All right. Um, so what is then, day one for you? Um, so basically, when you bring the dog home, there's about, God, I think it's a 90-day period where no one else but the person who's working the dog can interact with the dog. So what that means is no family members or friends can pet the dog, um, can touch the dog, or um, even talk to the dog. And I know this seems like crazy. It's like, what? I want to see the new dog. But what people need to understand is that any interruption in the beginning stages of the bonding period um, can disrupt your dynamic. So basically what this is doing is that it's getting the dog to understand that you are its sole provider. You are the person that it works for. It does not work with anybody else. It does not interact with anybody else when it's working. Um, you are his or her person and she or him are, you know, is your dog. Um, so, you know, basically it's uh, important to understand when you bring the dog home, there is going to be a period where it's just you and the dog and nobody else can interact with you guys. How, how are you going to do that? If you are, let's say you, you, you are a, a father and you're going back home and you have kids. Um, I mean, I, when I brought my dog home, I was still living with my parents. So from the dynamic of uh, a young adult still living with his mom and dad and his sister because uh, i have a younger sister um basically um you know there were times where they would forget so they would touch or they would try talking to him and it was basically up to me to say hey you 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 can't do that right now um just you know try and remember that for this period of time as much as it's it's unfair and it's just, it has to be just me. So basically I'm the one feeding the dog. I'm the one taking the dog outside to go to the bathroom. I'm walking the dog. I'm doing its daily um, trainings. So it's just me um, because they want to reinforce to not only you, but more so the dog that it is you and you alone that it is working for. All right. Any good habits uh, from the beginning? For example, you sleep on the floor, sleep outside, sleep on the bed, sleep on the sofa. What happened the first evening? Yeah, so the, 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 they recommend that when you first bring the dog home, it's still, you know, about a year and a half to two years. They say that there might be some anxiety. So they say a good thing to do is to leave like a light on in your room okay. for like the first couple of days. Just that way, it you know, it's not sort of any anxiety or panic. Um, just to like, you know, kind of give it like that source of comfort. So they do recommend like for the first couple of days, maybe leave a light on in the room um, just so that they can be comfortable when they're sleeping because it's a new environment for them. Um, you know, a, a, a different environmental shift. And so that's good to do. And then when it comes to like where they're sleeping, um, again, they're not going to monitor you or what you're doing with your dog at home. So it's up to you to understand that if you let it sleep on the bed or you let it get on a couch in the house that you just remember that it can't do this type of behavior when it's in harness. 
So as long as you're reinforcing the idea that, okay, um, you can sleep on my bed when it's just us, but when we go out and you're in harness, there's no getting on furniture. And as long as you're reinforcing this idea that this is the difference between out of harness and in harness activities, then you're good. Because unfortunately, sometimes you might let the dog get a little too much freedom when it's not working. And then unfortunately, it will actually transition that bad behavior into in-harness activities. So there could be times, like say, if you let it just do whatever it wants and it's just wrecking the house and getting on furniture, that can actually start happening and being seen happening while it's in-harness, which would be bad because you don't want it to, you know, trying to do something that is not you walking, trying to give it a command. And it's just, other, you know, on the other side, just trying to do its own thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, they are um, trained, right, uh, for uh, to do their stuff, uh, uh, peeing and things like that. Uh, I yes. know when you bring a dog, a, a cat, it takes a, a, a month and a half so that they spray mm-hmm. every little corner and, and um, uh, crevasse of your, of your, your house. Uh, but for dogs, everything is, everything's ready to go, right? Yeah, so they've been trained um, to do their business outside. Um, They basically, while you're on campus, get you into a schedule of taking them outside um, at certain points of the day. Um, So that way they get on a schedule. And the cool thing about dogs is they know. They they always say, oh, they don't understand schedule or structure. They don't understand timing. Um, but, But I've lived with my guide dog for, oh, my God, it was 2014. Yeah, so like eight years now, and um, he knows, you know, the the, you know, the times that I take him out. He knows you know, we're gonna go right after breakfast. Okay. Um, you know, and he and he knows, you know, if if there's ever a time where I, you know, I'm not paying enough attention to him, he can signal me. Um, so they know, and they know to try and get your attention if they need to go outside. So they All definitely right. have been potty trained to do both outside. All right, so the first night, um, we're done with getting in the morning, first, uh, first morning. <laughs> this is when you start uh, getting good habits with, uh, with yourself and with the dog too, right? Yes, so um, you start getting into your um, routine at home, you know. You can transition the times that you want to feed your dog, um, you, know, is, you know. So if you feel like waking up at, say, like 5 in the morning is too early for you, you can transition that later into, say, 7 or 8 in the morning. You know, that way you're kind of bending it to the schedule that you live, but still doing the same things that you would had it just been on the regular schedule in the, in the, in the first place. Um, but basically, the thing that is very important to do um, during the day when you have first brought the dog home for those first three months is to continue doing um, behavior and obedience training. So basically, you want to continue to reinforce the sit, the stay, the lie downs, the come here's. And then you also want to take about like maybe one or two walks every day, you know, just depends on what your schedule is like, and then work with them on the basic commands like the forward, find the curb, you know, the right about so turning left and right, you know, walking down a street, finding things. They just want you to continue to work with the dog those first couple of months because it's very important for them to continue being reminded of the commands that they need to know. And of course you're very new to their life and they're new to your life. So it's, you know, very important to continue working on the commands so that they know what you need from them. About the, um, the, the command uh, from you, 
Mm -hmm. uh, you do uh, you do leave a boot camp with documents, right? That you, that help you remember or things like that, right? Yeah, you leave like you leave. I mean, oh my goodness, it's like a Harry Potter book, or uh, I, I mean, I can't think of a thicker book when because that was it's a really thick, thick book, like thicker than any paperback you've read. It's so much stuff, like medical information, you know, food, allergens. It, it's got everything. It's like a you know, 101 guides, uh, how, how to keep your guide dog safe and doing good. <laughs> okay. And, uh, uh, Braille, uh, large print, and you got an audio, uh, audio version. Um, they do give you an electronic version. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so you maintain the training as much as you do. There, there will be, uh, orders that you won't use on a regular basis. Uh, yeah. is that a problem for the dog or, um, no, no, not really. I mean, for, for, for me, for like for personally, for me, it's like, I don't, it's like, I, I, I do, I still do stairs. I don't do them as often as I used to, but, um, you know, if I do stairs, I just, you know, work through with my guide dog. Of course, my guide dog is actually at the end of its career. Yeah. Um, he will be 10 this year. So he only has one more year to work before he has to retire. So he slowed down a lot, but I mean, his memory is still very good. Um, he still does the stairs, you know, he still knows his turns and finds. Um, so they, they keep with it. And the longer that they work, the more and more confident they get in doing the commands. So, I mean, if you're worried that maybe in the beginning, your dog is maybe a little forgetful or it's hesitant, just continue to work and encourage your dog because there's going to come a point in your relationship where it's, it's, it's starting to do things before you can even tell it to, like it's starting to look to work for you before you even give it the command. And so there's no need to freak out if a, a certain um, situation like or certain orders are not going to be used uh, as much as others, right? It's not going to be, need to be retrained for those. I mean, it might need to be retrained if you start doing it a lot and it has to be something that you have to put back in your life. But if it's something that you're not really doing and you don't believe that it's going to be a part of your life, then, I mean, you know, you're able to add and take away certain things that you have the dog do for you. I mean, right. you know, it's basically um, the dog is there for you and you just adjust it to your environment, your scenarios, and basically just have it be there working for you and working through what you need the dog to work for you. All right. Uh, what about learning uh, or teaching new tricks? Is there something that is um, uh, encouraged, is possible, or would you would rather not, uh, not do? So they do say, like, if you believe that there's something that your dog can learn and you feel like it would benefit from learning, then you can definitely try and teach it. Um, so two things that uh, my dog has learned on its own um, and that I have reinforced throughout the years is one, um, a command that he, these are both commands that he was never taught to do while on campus. The first one is find home. Um, I used to live in an apartment complex where every time I would go out to take him to the bathroom in the morning, the sprinklers would come on and keep me from going back to the house. Uh, we eventually, of course, got this to change so that I could get back to the house without getting wet. Uh, but what morning I went out, sprinkler sprayed, spooked Andros because he didn't know they were coming. He started flipping out. I got all turned around, you know, spun around, didn't know where I was, disoriented. And I started freaking out. And I just kept repeating the command, go home, go home, Andros, go home. And I don't know what made him do it, but he went back to the house. You know, he got onto the sidewalk, 
walked the path to the front door, sat down in the front door, and then, you know, let me into the house. Okay. And then over time, I just continued to like be like, so do you know how to get to the house? So I would just slowly be like, okay, let's just try this. Andrews, go find the house. And he would go find the house. And, I, and nowadays, even if I'm in the backyard of my house, I can just say, Andrews, let's go home. And he'll take me to the, the sidewalk, uh, to my driveway. He'll take me into the garage, and he'll take me to the garage door and let me in the house. Okay. And something else that he's done <laughs> is he's found a way to know how to let himself into the house. Um, because with Alexa's nowadays, you know, we always get notifications. You can also, you know, you can have people, you know, notified when you're in your garage or when they're at yeah. your front door. Um, he's got to the point where, um, cause I feed him in the garage cause I have another dog in the house who's a food hog. Um, so if for some reason I forget to go bring him back inside, he has figured out that, um, if he just stands in front of the camera and moves in front of it it'll make a dean go off in the house and let me know that he's in the garage. So they're smart. They, they can learn things that you would never think they could learn. And then you could be like, actually, you know what? I want you to keep doing that. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. All right. So, uh, dogs are getting old. They're getting sick. Um, what is the, the usually routine, uh, to, uh, to take care of a dog's health? Oh man! So honestly, you'll you'll find yourself taking care of the dog more than you take care of yourself. <laughs> it's just the, the the amount of care that goes into the dog is you know, it's it's a lot. I mean, they you know they get their medicines, they have their their um, maintenance of their coats. Um, some dogs get glucosamine and fish oil, so met you know vitamins to keep their hips and joints healthy. Their coat shiny and healthy um brushing their teeth uh, so their teeth stay I good am not, i am not <laughs> brushing his teeth that um, is not going to happen um, um doing eardrops so that they don't get ear infections um you uh, know. Ear, yes drop, yeah. i don't i won't do eye drops but ears i can do that some dogs will need eye drops it just depends because some dogs can get really bad allergies and actually start getting infections in their eyes so if that ever becomes a problem, then you need to consult your veterinarian. But um, it's just, but like the big ones are that you learn on campus is the eardrops, um, how to brush their coat, um, of course, how to bathe them. And then, of course, the big thing is also they teach you how to brush their teeth. <laughs> oh, damn it. Well, okay. <laughs> for 90 days, I'll do it. But then, uh, then I'll ask my friend to do it for me. Right. <laughs> if you have someone that can help you, then um, go right ahead. Um, the same guy who's going to be trained by me to come pick up the poop when the when the dog poop behind. That's going to be perfect. <laughs> he did 90 days training too. Uh, so um, the cost associated to uh, uh, grooming, feeding, and um, 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 the vet um, are covered, or it is up to uh, to you to figure out how to pay for this. It depends on the organization you're using. If you go with someone like a Southeastern Guide Dogs, then the vet visits are going to be covered by the organization because they have a program that allows their alumni, which are the people that are getting the dogs from them to get their uh, vet visits taken care of. And that also goes for food. They have a program that allows their students to get food. Um, I mentioned in one of the um, parts that I actually – 
just go to a store and they keep my food in the back at all times. And whenever I need it, they have uh, a bag of food for me to take home for my dog. That's just completely covered by the organization. Uh, there was a time where Southeastern guide dogs did not do this. So basically the vet bills and the food uh, was to be covered by you. And, you know, for just a reference, um, some of the food they use, it can get up to $80 just for a bag of food. Okay. Um, and then of course you got, you know, you know, vet visits can go hundreds of dollars, you know, on top of the tick and flea medicine. So it, it, it can be very expensive, but if you find the right organization that can help you, then definitely I would say, you know, consider that organization, you know, like a Southeastern guide dogs, you know, they can help with that. So if that's something that you're going to need assistance with, then you might want to consider going with an organization that can offer you those amenities. All right. And uh, the same as uh, for us people, you know, when you get sick, you, you don't feel good. But when something mm -hmm. goes wrong with you and you can't see it because you don't you don't have a good eyesight, uh, sometimes you may miss some signs. For example, I had an mm -hmm. infection on my leg uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was deep, deep purple. I didn't realize it was something was wrong with that cut until a friend told me, OK, let's go to the ER. Uh, mm -hmm. What happened with the dog? Is the dog going to tell you, hey, um, something's up here? Uh, I know for cats, they tend to become very quiet, they change their behavior, they hide. But for dogs, I have no clue. How, do, how does this work? It's, it's pretty similar to cats. You know, animals, when they are hurt or feeling sick, their behavior will change. Um, you'll see a, a shift in demeanor. Um, so, like, for instance, if it's something with their legs and their, like, their paws, you might observe them at some point maybe staggering a little bit or maybe um, they're not being able to really put a lot of weight on their feet. Um, if it's something that, you know, is causing fatigue, you might notice the dog isn't as active as it usually is. Okay. Um, maybe there's something wrong with the stomach and intestines that's, you know, causing it's, you know, the bathroom, you know, you know, going and everything, having a problem. Yeah. You know, vomiting is, of course, a big sign if your dog is ever vomiting, you know, multiple times a day, really needs to go and get that um, taken care of because there could be something wrong. So there are definitely bodily signs, you know, um, but you can there, there are also just like shifts in their behavior and demeanor um, demeanor as well. Is there a hotline um, from the uh, organization we can call at any time if we have questions? Um... Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you have questions when it comes to the dog and you want to talk to the like organization, they have their own um, number to the vet. So you can just call that number and someone should be able to assist you. Um, okay. And then let, let you know whether um, you should come to them or if it's an emergency and you should take them to something that's a little bit closer. Yeah. Um, talking about a vet, uh, do you encourage, um, if you have to pay for a vet expense, do you encourage um, um, health insurance for, for your pet? So um, I definitely believe if it is something that you value and you could not live without, then I don't, I don't see a problem with doing that. Um, I also would encourage, and I know it might seem silly if, of course, you can just go use a vet at the organization if you live close enough. Um, but if if you do, I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with also just getting an emergency veterinarian just in case 
you need something a lot closer because you're worried, like say a dog swallowed an antidepressant yeah. stimulant. Um, you, you know, just something closer that can address the problem, you know, in a quicker, you know, more sensitive, you know, time sensitive um, scenario. So I also encourage that as well. As far of course, let's go back to that again. Uh, let's imagine that you have to take care of uh, the medical costs, but uh, you, you're living nearby your, the, uh, the campus of your organization and there's a vet there. Is mm-hmm. that covered or will, 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 we be, um, will we end up having a bill from them that is the same as if we go to choose another um, a vet? Right. So, um, so if, if we're doing the situation in terms of you have found an organization that can offer you assistance, um, then they would actually cover it. Um, I have heard scenarios where people have gotten some sort of like partial assistance from other organizations that don't necessarily, you know, cover stuff. Um, but there are like trust and funds that I, I, I have heard of stuff where basically something happened, you know, they have an exorbitant amount of money they have to cover now because of their dog, but they were able to get assistance from organizations to help cover the expenses. Okay, back to um, the health insurance for pets. Uh, my cat went to the vet once. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of cats. Um, um, I had a lot of cats, and I was pretty lucky that nothing happened to them. They've never been sick until at the end when they, they get very old. Uh, what is the usual routine for, uh, for a dog? Is it one visit a day every six months, or what is it on, in, in a regular, for, for just routine? So they always have an annual visit. Um, They will always have to go once a year to get their shots updated. Um, So that is like the, the rabies, you know, um, flu, you know, um, they have, you know, other like sicknesses that dogs get in, you know, just themselves and, you know, another animal. So there's a bunch of shots they got to get. Of course, at that time, they'll, they'll, they'll take blood to make sure there's no problems with, you know, like cancers or diabetes, stuff like that. Um, okay. um, but usually, um, they, they tell you like, if you believe your dog is healthy, honestly, you could go an entire year without going to the vet and just do your annuals. But okay. if you believe that there's a problem, they suggest you go at any time. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong if you want to go every six months, but they definitely, you know, require you to go every year for those annual visits. Okay. So basically, the expense uh, for your health insurance depends on if your organization pay for it, and if they don't, uh, how much it would cost you every month and it's up to, every year, and it's up to you to make a quick calculation, like for uh, humans, right? Yes, exactly. All right. Grooming, uh, something you can do on your own, or you're going to end up uh, once every uh, two weeks at the local Petco, where the pet go? <laughs> or, so uh, you don't get them haircuts. Um so if you're getting like a, a Labrador retriever, these dogs don't get haircuts. Um, yeah. Basically what happens, um, it's a very um, involved um, activity. There's a device they call the Furminator. Um, basically kind of think of it as like a, a razor you would shave your face with. Okay. Okay. Um, not an electric one, but one of the old manual ones. Um, okay. Basically, what this does is it's uh, it's a tool that basically gets at the undercoat of the dog, 
and then it gets a lot of the excess hair. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one for cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So basically, you know, um, every day or every other day, you or every maybe maybe every two days, you want to just go outside, take the furminator or the brush, just go through um, and just keep up um, with the um, with the, the the coat because that will prevent shedding. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the dogs that these organizations give are shedders. Um, you know, it, you know, I, I, you know, it's just unfortunate. They don't you do a lot of hypoallergenic, you know, dogs. I just, you know, I just think it has to do with the, the breeds they're interested in. But, uh, yes, yeah, shedding is a big thing. So um, if you're going to get a, a Labrador retriever, per se, uh, definitely want to ferminate your dog uh, as often as you can, because they can definitely shed a lot of hair. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. All right. So on the health side, I think we went through all of it. The food, we went through all of it. Uh, the taking care, the grooming. Um, uh, grooming, what are we talking about? Once a month? Once every two months? When you, when, when you, when you cannot recognize your dog from your cat? <laughs> when do you go? Uh, so... Um... So, so for um, so like for a Labrador, they they don't get haircuts at all. Oh, okay. um, but, when, but when it comes to bathing them, they like to say that um, like maybe every two three weeks, um, they recommend you don't bathe them like you would a small dog, um, because bathing a large dog like a Labrador Retriever or a German Shepherd. If you bathe them too much, you can actually dry out their skin and cause them to get skin allergies and um, rashes. Okay. Um, so it's actually important to not wash the dog a lot and to actually wait for maybe like three weeks between every bath. That way you're making sure the coat's maintained and healthy. Okay. Uh, next, traveling with a dog. Um, you need to go to a Lyft or Uber or you going on vacation. Um, anything we need to think about? Do, do we have to uh, to send the dog to a boarding uh, uh, um, a boarding place so that the dog can be taken care of for two weeks or three weeks when you go on vacation, or you can just cross uh, put a cross on your vacation on your own and you have to drag your dog everywhere with you? Um, so basically, it's up to you to decide where you want to bring your dog with. Um, like, so if you want to go somewhere and you want to bring your dog, then bring your dog. But if you feel like it's going to be a situation where you can't really have your eyes, no pun intended, on the dog, really making sure you're okay and the dog's okay and you're both working well together, um, then you might decide to leave it um, at the house. Um, so there are situations where you might say, I think I'll just do this on my own. But, of course, you're always encouraged to take the dog with you and work it everywhere you go. <laughs> well, um, yeah, but let's imagine <laughs> I go back to France. Yeah. Those are two weeks, um, mm -hmm. but uh, because one week will plus uh, jet lag, so forget about it. Let's imagine mm -hmm. I'm going to France for two weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. Bringing a dog to another country will require quarantine or things like that. So this is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, so the thing is, when it comes to guide dogs, um, there a lot of those quarantines, they don't have the usual time that oh. most pets would. It's kind of... Um, made faster because of the importance that that dog has to you um, being a legally blind person. So they will actually, you know, like I know for like Hawaii, they waive a lot of the quarantine because of course with Hawaii, 
you have to board your dog because they are definitely afraid of bringing rabies into the country because they actually have zero rabies cases in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, country, I mean, whatever state. <laughs> yeah. But um, um, but basically, when it comes to traveling, um, your dog's allowed to go with you anywhere and on anything. So it gets on trains. It gets on the airplane. The airplane with you. So, you know, actually traveling through the airport is actually made pretty easy um, with the dog. Um, they just have you, you know, put on your basically your ticket. And when you're going to, you know, get boarded to just let them know, like, hey, I have my working guide dog with me. Um, they will usually um, most um, airlines will allow you to request the bulkhead because of your guide dog. And in a lot of cases, if you can't get the bulkhead, they will automatically upgrade you to first class. So that way you have enough room for you and your dog. You um, see, I can totally <laughs> brush my dog's teeth if they upgrade me to uh, first class. <laughs> that is a deal. Um, but if you give me the bulkhead, he, br- he go brush his teeth on his own. <laughs> yeah, they, um, I mean, it, the, the important thing is to remember um, when it comes to anything in terms of public access, um, you are never allowed to be told that you can't have your dog with you. So even when it comes to something like traveling across state or maybe even country, um, they should still always allow you to have your guide or service dog with you. If there's any costs um, associated to um, having a, a, a dog following you in, a, in an airplane, that fool, for example? Um, so the, the rule is, is they can't charge you for okay. the dog. Um, because that that would basically be in, 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 in itself a sort of discrimination, basically saying, oh, well, we'll let you on the airport uh, and on our airline if you pay extra money to have your guide dog. So basically a lot of fees when it comes to guide dogs are waived because they are considered essential. So like for hotel, you don't pay any sort of pet fee because they're not a pet. They're a working animal. What about in an apartment when they have a fee uh, for a pet? They should waive that fee. Um, oh. Yeah, the, the, um, when I was in my apartment, um, at, at no point was I to pay money for my guide dog because it is not a pet. And if someone is trying to make you think that it's a pet, you should probably either A, find a new apartment, or B, let them know that you're discriminating towards a working animal. All right. Um, have you uh, used Lyft and uh, Uber um, uh, in Florida? I have, um, but I, of course, also had friends with guide okay. dogs that have done it, and um, their experiences have been very negative. Um, it's just unfortunate, but, um, you know, it's just it's, it's sad to say that in this world that we live in, there are still people that will pull up They'll see you with your guide dog and they'll drive away, just leaving you there. Um, or well, I, mean, like, I mean, that's that's kind of. I mean, I would think that's kind of fair if you don't tell them in advance you have a dog with you, and they just show up and realize that mm-hmm. there's a gigantic dog uh, uh, with you. I I would be pissed too. So, do you think that there's a way like you can disclose that from the moment that you uh, you order your um, your 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 Lyft or your Uber to to come over, you can tell them, "Hey, I have a dog. Uh, be prepared." Or yeah, if, if like... they have a number you can contact them with, oh, I would okay. definitely do it because um, there's been cases where people have used like their public bus, and then basically like the drivers freaked out and gotten afraid of the dog. Then they've treated the dog like it's a social pariah, like. Okay. 
freaking out all the other people that are getting on the bus, having you sit all the way in the back of the bus because of your dog. So there definitely still exists a lot of discrimination and social isolation when it comes to a person having a guide dog. Um, but if you're using Uber and Lyft, um, I do believe, if I'm not wrong, there is a way to contact your driver. Um, yes. And if you can do so, just say, hey, I want you to know I have a guide dog. Is this going to be a problem? And I think Lyft has a program with um, some kind of blind uh, um, organization uh, to train uh, to train their uh, the driver uh, how to deal with that. But I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to have to check and maybe uh, give, the, give the information on Twitter. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to go from one topic to another because as we speak, uh, there's more questions that, that comes up. Um, for example, the ID uh, for your dog. Um, mm-hmm. you, how, does it, how is it handled? Do you have, is there a microchip? Do we have a card? Is there, is, is there a little uh, tiny wallet they keep in their back pocket or things like that? So that actually brings up two things. So one, you have your personal ID that has a picture of you and the dog uh, with the organization's contact information on it um so this that but for the dog um so all the dogs um that you get from these organizations are microchipped so they do have a microchip in them and then they will actually give you the information for the company they use so that way if at any point something happens and your dog is out you can call that organization and they will help you find the dog um through that microchip okay Okay. Uh, before we talk about the sensitive issue of, um, you know, um, getting old and retire, do you think that we missed something here? Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> I think we touch everything. I know that I have to brush his teeth. And I know that in exchange, I have first, uh, first class seat in a plane. That's going to be, that's going to be good. <laughs> Just, for, uh, just, just, just as you're doing, just remember, it's, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Oh, <laughs> indeed. Especially if I go to France or Japan, this is going to be great. My friend is going to be in coach while I'll be in, in first class with a dog. <laughs> this is going to be great. Uh, all right. Now, uh, I know your dog. Uh, by the way, the name of your dog is um, is a brand of um, uh, jam in France, by the way. But um, <laughs> um, just, just you know, that you know. Uh, so you said ten years is probably the end of the uh, the end of their career. Yeah. So they um, say around like eleven years old is basically when um, you, you you have no choice. You have to basically take the harness off them for the rest of their lives. So it's basically um, nine years from the moment you uh, you received them. Yeah, about nine, um, ten if you get them a little bit younger. Okay. Um, you know, so I got my guide dog when I was turning twenty one. Um, so I'll be 30 when he has to retire. Okay. How does this work? I mean, you do you, first, what is the difference? Do you, do you actually see something going on uh, as he age? Yes. So there can actually be a point where um, say, for instance, you try to go put the harness on the dog, the dog backs away. It will not let you put that harness on him or her. Um, that's usually a sign that maybe there's something about working. This dog is no longer liking but it can also be to the point where you'll have the dog in harness and all of a sudden he or she will just stop, stop working, just will just stop taking commands. That's when you should be like, hmm, I think they're trying to tell me something. So there's definitely times where the dogs will say, hey, dad or mom, I don't want to work anymore. Um, I'm either too old or, you know, maybe this just is no longer something I like to do. Um, and they just want to hang it up. And then basically you would 
just take the harness off them and then just let them be a regular dog for the rest of their lives. And does that happen to you already with the dog you have? Um, no, he is still a big workaholic. Honestly, I feel like he is not going to ever want to retire. He worries way too much about me. <laughs> I love him to death, and it will be so hard to retire him because he's my first guide dog. And they always tell you the first one, it breaks your heart when you have to retire them because you've had them for so long, and you just can't even imagine getting your next one. So every time I think about it or I think too much about it, it definitely makes me cry because it's just he's changed my life so much, and I, I wouldn't be doing what I am today if it wasn't for him. Um, so it, it definitely is sad, but it's also a celebration, you know, they, they work, you know, 10 years. So, you know, they had such an amazing career. They did so much with you and they helped you so much. And, you know, it's definitely sad, but it's also, you know, like a, you know, good job. Now, how about instead of worrying about me, you just do what you want to do for the rest of your life. <laughs> so just, um, moving Back to uh, something I forgot to, to mention, but I touched a little bit to what you said. You do know that there are um, um, reports of um, wives, partners, um, friends, and kids that are jealous of the relationship that uh, the dog uh, developed or the human developed with their dog. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think people that don't understand just don't really get it. I mean... Yes, the, the, the bond between a person and a pet is amazing, but it's even more amazing to watch the bond between a person and a working animal um, because that thing is kind of like, so like for me, I don't just consider him my guide dog. Andros is my son. I consider him my own son. Like everything he does, I'm proud of and, you know, or maybe like when he doesn't do something right, I'm not mad at him. I just want him to do better because I want him to continue doing good because I want him to work for as long as possible. I want to get to the point where I have to retire him and I have no choice because of his age. It's just, it, it's, it's a bond that few will ever understand. Is the, the retirement date decided by somebody else or it's a common decision between you and the organization? It's a common decision between you and the organization. Is the organization um, going to meet the dog or are you going to have some uh, uh, phone calls, discussion or anything like that? So basically when it gets time to retire them, you will call. Um, usually the general way it happens is you call the organization. Um, you let them know, hey, it's um, Chad Bowden with Guide Dog Andros. Um, I just want to let you know that um, you know two months from now, it'll be his 11th birthday. You know, I know this means he has to retire. Um, when can I um, exchange to have either you can do it in person or you can do it through the mail. But they will ask for the harness back um, okay. because they don't want it to basically be to where anyone thinks they can try and pass off the retired dog as a working dog using an official harness from an organization. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the the discussion uh, we went through that uh, the, the the we both agree the organization and the, and you both agree that the dog is going to have to retire. What happened right. to the dog? So this is where people are like get get scared. Like like I have so many people ask me, oh what what, what happens to the dog? What's going to happen to Andros? I'm like mm, so nothing. He's going to stay with me. <laughs> We, as the guide dog handler, always have the choice to keep our guide dog after they have retired. 
Um, if we want them in our lives after they've done their working job, then we can keep them as a pet. However, there are situations where, say, maybe you are a blind person living on your own, and you just can't do two big dogs on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it, it's just, it's sad to say, but this does happen. But it doesn't mean that we, you know, the dog just goes off on its own. No, in this situation, an organization like Southeastern Guide Dogs, um, in, um, in a reputable organization, they're going to work with you to make sure that just because you can't have the dog doesn't mean someone else you know or you trust can have the dog. So if for some reason the dog handler can't take the dog in after retirement, they'll say, do you have a family member that could care for your dog that the dog has met and knows? Can they care for the dog? Then if a yes is a yes, then the family member can get it. If no, they go, okay, do you have a friend that you trust is going to care for this dog and treat it right? If a yes is a yes, then they get the dog. If a no, then they go, okay, we're going to ask the puppy raisers, which are the people that have these dogs for the first like year and a half of their life. And they'll say, hey, we have guide dog Andros. He's just retired. Um, unfortunately, Chad and his family friends can't care for the dog. Would you like to take the dog that you raised back for the rest of its life? If they say yes, then they'll get the dog. If no, then we put it into the public adoption program. Basically, the dog will be um, scouted by families that we believe are going to care for it and are in need of a good dog. A lot of the times the dogs go to families with children that have, say, like Down syndrome or anxiety problems, maybe autism, um, because this this dog is going to help them. It's going to help the family as well. Okay. All right. And the replacement process, how does this happen? Is it the same uh, the same complicated process as before? You need to reapply the prerequisite. You need to go to retraining for two weeks. And then um, they assign a dog that is uh, that matches your um, habits or your personality, and then you have to start from scratch. Or this is an there is an accelerated way to get a, to get a replacement dog. So it is accelerated. You still do have to go through the same general steps, but because you are already in their system as an alumni, and they know you, and they've monitored you. Say, say like for me, they've monitored me for nearly 10 years and i you know i had to add the bonus of working for them for four of those years so they've personally seen andros and i over the years and how our working relationship has been they know me and you know they know all their students they keep an eye on them they always call out to them they always visit them every year so for the the students they know and have had um placed the dog with they they kind of accelerate your process because you're an alumni with them already. Okay. So when you tell them in advance, let's say two or three months in advance, or maybe a year from now, that um, it's, you're getting ready for retirement, maybe the process can start already at this stage? Yeah, yeah. And and, and a lot of times, you know, like I, I, I said earlier that, you know, um, you know, a lot of times we tell people, oh, it could be like a year to two years. Uh, like for reapplying students, we usually tell them it's like, uh, yeah, so it's going to be more like three to six months. Okay. So like, they really put you high up in the queue if you're a returning student. Okay, so there's not going to be a void in between two dogs, right? Uh, only if you want it to be. Um, you know, some people, um, you know, take a while after uh, a certain dog um, because sometimes maybe, unfortunately, the dog could die young. 
while working and you know that there's a grieving process and then for some people they didn't get their first guide dog until very late in life so it's hard for them to get the next dog so there's a lot of different things that could actually lead to a person saying you know what i think i'm actually going to take six months to a year to see how i feel and if i'm ready anytime sooner then i'll get my next dog have you um, ever had an experience uh, where um that just didn't work when the dog went home and thing didn't work at all. What happened in that case? So there are many times where we think while in class, the dog's a great match and they go through the entire program and they leave together. And, you know, we're, we, you know, we think it's going to work great. And then unfortunately it just turns out that the situations in life and what they were doing in their lifestyle just was not good for the dog and them as a working pair. So there are many times where basically the dog will have to come back to the campus. Um, however, if it's early enough, we can actually replace the dog with another person. Okay. Um, so there have been many cases where, say, someone leaves with a dog. Like, let's say, for this instance, someone leaves with dog blue. Um, you know, the person in blue, just it's just not a good match. We thought it was, but we got them home. They worked with themselves and just realized not going to happen. So we take um, Guide Dog Blue, we, you know, just basically reevaluate him, and then we see if any of our applicants might be a good match for Guide Dog Blue. And if we have one coming up soon, we'll put Blue into the program and match it with a new student. Okay. And if it's later um, uh, rather than uh, sooner? Um, yes. Yeah, so if, say, like... Um, like it a few years work. down the road, something yeah, happened to you. That's yeah, it. Then un yeah, unfortunately, then that would basically be a case where, okay, we're not going to put it back out into a, uh, a student. We're just going to bring it and ask a loving family to have it as their pet. All right. I think we cover pretty much everything except one thing. Um, actually, two. Um, those uh, veteran dogs, what is the mm -hmm. difference between uh, the veteran dogs and the, uh, the guide dog? So there, there's a lot. Um, for one, um, veterans dogs or service dogs, um, they do a lot of emotional support. Okay. Um, so for veterans that have served in any sort of military action, um, there can be a lot of PTS, so post-traumatic stress, um, even TBI, which is traumatic brain injuries. Um, they can at any time have a flashback. Um, And those are episodes of extreme stress and anxiety for the person. Um, so the dogs that we give them, they're going to be there for them when they need that comfort. Um, a basic command we teach them is to basically stand on their hind legs, put their paws on their chest, and actually push into the person to simulate a hug. And then you basically you drape your arms around the dog and hug the dog. That way, if you're having an episode in public, you have that comfort. They also do things like turn on light switches for people if they're having a, a bad episode at night, fetching their medicines for them if they drop it. Um, they can open doors for, you know, for the veterans that have lost limbs. Okay. Um, so they do a lot of different things that a guide dog would never do. So that wasn't, um, I mean, originally I thought that uh, the, when a dog, a guide dog retire, it would end up as a veteran dog. So this doesn't work this way. No, it's actually two different fields. So okay. a guide dog and a, and a service dog are actually they're, they're their own working dog. 
Um, they have their own programs and they are evaluated differently for the people that need them. All right. One last question. We're running at 56 minutes. Um, I'll, uh, I'll take a break in three minutes and then we'll, and then we'll, uh, we'll get back for, for final thought at the end. All right. Um, there's something that got to me um, when I was, you know, one of those show back in France, their, their, their closed caption in English. And we, we learned English basically by watching TV. And there was that lady that lost her high eyesight. I think it was on Golden Girl. Uh, the lady lost her eyesight. And then she asked or begged for help from her sister. The sister decided, well, you know, you need to learn that on your own. Go get a dog. So she gets a dog and they meet at the airport. Um, and the lady said, I have a guide dog. Um, um, I can do everything on my own. I know the number of steps to the, uh, the front gate of my, uh, my plane. Mm-hmm. Do you have to know that much information? Or, I mean, it's <laughs> always like, this is going to be crazy if I have to think how many steps there is to go to the local subway or Safeway or whatever. This is insane. So some people like to do that, but I don't. And I oh. don't do it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, the no. end of uh, a question that I wonder myself for 40 years, it's right there. No. Um, I mean, honestly, some people do like to count their steps and know, like, on their path, like, all right, it's 10 steps and then I turn, and then I just, 15 steps and I turn. There are some people that don't ever want to do that or don't even know how to do that. So okay. for them, it's just, all right, um, we've walked this route before. We're just going to work it like we would normally do it. The forwards, the turns, the downs, the ups. And then usually like at an airport. Um, n- no, like what I do when I use an airline is I ask someone, hey, can you help me get to my gate? And then can there be someone that helps me get into the plane? That's okay. what I do. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, I think we got everything. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and then um, then we're going to get back to uh, the last thoughts before, before the end of the show. Um, you're fine with that, Chad? I am. Sounds good. All right. Then let's take a break. All right. All right. All right. We're back. Uh, Chad, have you had a drink? I did. I got a swig of water. Uh, good. Throat's a little bit better now. Good. So for us, uh, who, uh, or everyone who's going to listen to that, they're going to run into their fourth hour. They're going to love it. Um, so uh, it's we, we pretty much done every steps from the beginning when you uh, uh, select the organization to the um, uh, the the application process. Then you got right. the human training, then the dog training, and then what you need to do when the dog is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought we could finish things up with my biggest worry because you answered a lot of my questions. Yeah. But there, there's still a few things that I'm, I'm, you know, selfishly, I guess, worried um, more for me. The dog, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that the dog is going to be happy. If I have <laughs> a bunch of cats here and uh, they live long lives, I'm sure the dog will be happy. But this is just, just to be sure that, you know, I understand everything. The first thing that I'm worried about is first... Um, uh, it's a little bit like cane training. Right. It is very obvious to others that you have a disability when you have a yeah. guide dog. Yes. Um, yeah. And you know, that's, you know, that's something that is a very hard answer to, um, question to answer because honestly, every person is going to have a different comfort when it comes to them being upfront with people and basically saying that, yes, I am, you know, visually impaired. Um, 
you know, for someone like me, you know, selfishly, I was never that person. I was just never afraid to say, hey, I'm blind or I'm losing my vision. I need help. My sister was the complete opposite. Um, she hated using her cane because she did not want to have the world look at her and say, oh, well, there's something wrong with you. And that is a lot of visually impaired people's worried is they don't want to use the devices or the tools that can help them live their lives with more confidence and more independence because they're, they're worried about basically the public perception. And unfortunately it just has to do with basically there's still not being enough social awareness on how to handle visually impaired people and how to interact with them as if they're normal people, because I think that's the problem is so many people, you know, disability is a disability, but that does not stop us from just being a person. Um, and when it comes to visual impairments, um, everyone's vision is different. You know, vision is so much on a spectrum, you know, one person has this, the other person doesn't, it's very different. There's a lot of nuances when it comes to the language. The best thing I can, you know, give you as advice is, um, if you believe that you're not going to use your cane because you don't like it, you just don't think it's for you. Um, if you think that you can't use a cane, but you think that you would like to use a dog, then of course I would always say maybe think about the dog, um, you know, cause that's just my bias. But um, my thing is always just think of this, this, of this, of it this way. Yes. You're letting the world know you have a visual problem. However, um, you're getting so much more access to the world that you would have you not been using it. Um, because as, as embarrassing as these tools can be for some people, um, they actually open a lot of doors for people. Um, there's a lot of more conversations about what a blind person is and isn't that can happen because of the dog. Um, there's a lot of, you know, opportunities for us to better expose people to visual impairments and have them understand that we're not these freaks or these monsters. We're, we're normal people with normal ambitions and thoughts just like them. Um, so my thing is, I mean, if you're nervous, it's it completely understandable and maybe it might take you a little bit longer to get the confidence to go out and use your cane or maybe want to use a guide dog. But whenever you feel that you're comfortable enough with wanting to use either the cane or the dog, I would definitely say go for it um, because the the worst thing that you could do is basically just not do anything and then realize maybe you would have enjoyed your life or maybe things would have you know been a little bit more accessible to you had you tried using it. But again, it's up to you. I, I would I'd never, ever try and push a person into using a guide dog or a cane if they're not comfortable with it because I understand that everybody's, uh, you know, confidence when it comes to their visual impairment and just disability in general, is different and it will never be the same as another person's. Although with um, all the experience I gained over the the, the, the few the past few years, um, the ADA, the right that come with ADA, uh, became a little bit easier um, for you when you um, uh, recognize you have a disability and you can mm-hmm. show also you have a disability rather than if you try to hide it yeah. or if you try to ignore it. So it's a little bit more stressful to discuss especially with hr or with your yeah. boss or anything like that if you want to convince them that you don't have an issue or you want to you want you yeah. can work with it rather than tell them i have an issue but right. i have the tools to work with right and sometimes it's you know you know people have different thoughts on 
should you tell your your boss or should you tell someone that doesn't know you have a disability that you have a disability you know some people are you know they are on opposite ends of the you know the spectrum basically some people say well no only bring it up if they find out you know or have like they they, they feel like is there something that I don't know that you should be telling me and then there's others that are like just own it you know, there's a lot of people that say, like, I want that to be the first thing that comes out of your mouth when you go into, like, for an interview. It's like, hey, listen, I'm legally blind, and, yeah, I got this guide dog, but let me tell you what I can do even with my visual impairment. Let me tell you about all this technology I know how to use. Yeah. Let me tell you about my computer skills. Let me tell you about my networking ability. You know, let me tell you how my disability actually makes me a better employee than any other employee you have. All right. <laughs> all right. So that's one. Uh, the other um, issue again, and I know you told you told that twice already. I just want to be sure that the dog is happy working, or <laughs> yeah. that the dog is going to be a dog um, when he's not harnessed yeah. or anything like that. This is for me. It would be miserable to have somebody mm -hmm. that drag me around and doesn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, that is the big problem when it comes to people from the outside looking in um they just see the dog in a harness and that's all they see the heart that's all they see they, they see the harness and they see the dog in the harness they see the dog just lying down sitting by you just waiting for you to tell it what to do and they think well that's no life for a dog that's just just servitude to a whole nother level yeah. um but you know that and i did say this in um in you know of course earlier in this part of the series um you know, a lot of these dogs actually really love the work. Um, they actually enjoy it and look forward to it. But again, the added benefit is you're only going to put that harness on them when you need them to work. And if you don't need them to work, then don't put the harness on them. Like right now, my dog is sitting right by my feet. He has no harness on. He has a toy. Um, he's lying his head on his favorite moose stuffed moose toy, and he's just living his best life right now. Um, right. Just having a good comfy day while we talk about his amazing line of work. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's what they do when they're at home. They don't work. Um, if you want to walk them outside, you don't have to walk them in harness. You could walk with someone and have them make sure you're safe while you're walking your dog off um, harness. Um, again, like I've, I've taken my dog you know, two lakes and just had him harness off, let him play in the lake and have fun. I mean, he's been on all sorts of adventures that had nothing to do with him working. All right. Third uh, worry on my side. Um, I never had a dog before. Mm -hmm. And I had, to be honest, I had one. Mm -hmm. um, that experience lasts uh, probably something like 12, 13 hours. Okay. Um, once he found the um, ten, uh, the, the the twenty-five pound um, bag of flour, uh, and that uh, he spread it all over everything at home, <laughs> um, and uh, he couldn't stay quiet, and he didn't like to stay home. It was for me. It was. It was. That didn't last long. Yeah, um, I'm a cat kind of person. Um, what do you think? How do you think? Uh, someone who, uh, who is used to a cat, or I don't know, in this country, you even have pigs. Um, <laughs> uh, how would you handle, uh, uh, how big of a difference is going to be with a dog? So I say the great thing um, for you is you know how to care for an animal. Um, so automatically, you know how to care 
for another living creature that requires a lot of attention and love. You know, um, cats definitely, they can be very tricky. They can be very fickle. Um, sometimes you never know what they really want from you. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. at the end of the day, they, um, they, they are a pet that you care for, um, that you provide for, um, that you watch over and make sure is safe and fed. And that's kind of the same ideology behind a dog. I mean, I think you will have no problem taking care of a dog um, since you know how to care for an animal. Of course, it's going to be a little bit different because, you know, dogs, um, they can be a little bit more attentive. They can be a little bit more clingy. But that's not to say that's every dog because, honestly, my guy dog is super relaxed. Like, there's days where he like does like I feel like he doesn't want to even just like get out of bed. He's just like so like I don't want to do nothing. I'm just just gonna have a lazy day. Just leave me alone, Dad. Go away. Wow. <laughs> so like I would honestly say like I always joke and say like I feel like my guide dog is part cat with just how like relaxed and like just like lethargic he can be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. All right. Well, that answer at least three of my fears. Uh, plus the Golden Girl episode that apparently was a complete uh, hoax, but that's great. Uh, anything that you want to add? Uh, you want to add to uh, to what we talk about the best? Um, it sounds like four hours. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, uh, I just want to thank you very much, Fabrice, for uh, allowing me to create this series with you. It's amazing. Um, you know, um, I'm still very young in my career as an advocate and um, someone who's trying to make this a better. Um, visually impaired world for people um, so I, I very much thank you for allowing me to do this you know guide dogs is it's a very big part of my life you know not only have I had my guide dog since I was you know 21 but I actually got the amazing uh, ability to work for the organization that gave me my guide dog and just being able to see everything internally what happens and every little part that goes into you know from start to finish giving these amazing animals to people like us that need some um, you know, it, it still is a passion for me. I, I always love to speak about it whenever I have the chance. And so, um, you know, just you letting me do this with you, it's phenomenal. I, I, I said it before, but I'll say it again. I, I've looked forward to every Thursday to record this series with you because so far it's one of the uh, feathers in my caps when it comes to my career. Good. For me, I learned so many yeah. things. So yeah. <laughs> many things, and uh, the 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 good thing is that I didn't know anything, which means that the discussion went really well. Yeah. Uh, rather than me knowing something, or and it you know it's kind of difficult to figure out what other people would think. Right. So I think this is it. We've done most of everything. I yes. cannot uh, imagine that we're not going to talk uh, to talk to each other again. <laughs> right. Uh, I probably think that there's there is a special um, uh, episode coming in uh, coming uh, coming up soon, probably about the, all the questions that I I still have and that I don't think uh, think about right now. But uh, beside that, I think uh, you have the hook for next week. All right. Well, um, if if I'm allowed to, I'd like to um, plug that uh, my own podcast. Oh yeah, that's true. Yes. Will yes. will be coming out um, next week. The first episode will be recorded on Monday. So. I'll release that most likely a little bit, maybe Wednesday or Thursday of next week. I'll be talking with my orientation and mobility teacher, uh, Lori Hagel. Um, she went to school for visual disabilities and is a licensed O&M trainer. So going to talk everything's um, cane and cane training with her. Um, and if you would like to, you know, follow me, um, it's 20200 hindsight. So 
2200 hindsight on Twitter. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I'd love to get you though, Fabrice on an episode, uh, <laughs> and have oh, you I'm talk sure. with, and you do all the talking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Be careful. You might not, uh, you might not like what I'm about to say, but then we'll see. <laughs> well, Hey, um, thanks again so much for allowing me to do this. And I mean, again, like you said, I can't imagine that we don't do something later in, in the future. Sure. Uh, remind us again, what's the name of your podcast? Yeah. So it is hindsight is 2200. Um, okay. so, yeah. So hindsight is, and it's 20, um, slash 200, like a prescription. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, we'll find you everywhere. Apple podcast, Google podcast, overcast, etc. Right. Yep. It's going to be everywhere that I can get it. <laughs> okay. Good luck with that because I've been right. trying for uh, two months and there's still, um, uh, some of them that are going to give you some trouble. So if you, yeah. uh, if you get to Stitcher, for example, that will be an interesting one to get through yeah. They They're not doing a thing, but good luck with those. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate right. it so much. All right. Have fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to talk probably a, a little bit later about uh, other projects. All right. Sounds All right, good. guys. In the meantime, uh, that's it for our blind dog or guide dog uh, series. We will probably have an extra uh, episode or bonus episode relatively soon. As soon as I can figure out um, the question that I didn't ask, I asked so many of them. Um, so Chad will be back at least for that one. Yay! Um, there's also another project coming soon where uh, we can try to uh, interview um, uh, some uh, uh, a company that is working on RFID and medication. Uh, it could be interesting that the two of us could collaborate and work for that. We'll see next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any questions uh, that uh, we haven't covered, uh, you can email us at blindsanitypodcast at, at gmail.com or tweet at blindsanitypod. Thank you, Chad. Good luck with your, pod, uh, your podcast. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And I'll see you on Twitter at the very least, all right? All right, sounds good. All right, bye-bye. Bye.